Let's kick things off with the usual disclaimer. Now, although I'm into all things investing, what I am not is a financial advisor. I don't make stock picks, I don't make stock recommendations, crypto recommendations, or any other form of recommendations. I don't tell you when to buy or when to sell, or what to buy or what to sell. This podcast is purely for educational and entertainment purposes. For financial advice, please, of course, speak to a financial advisor. Now, with that out of the way, let's get cracking. Now, the first point in my wealth journal this week is wealth games versus status games. And I came across status games from a guy called Naval Ravikant, and he is a very successful investor, angel investor, venture capitalist, and he's a founder of a firm called Angel List. And he's he's really he's a really incredible guy, and I. I suggest that you follow some of his work, listen to a few of his podcasts. And he did a tweet storm, I think it was back in 2018, which was all around how to get rich without getting lucky. And one of his first tweets in that storm was, seek wealth, not money or status. Wealth is having assets that earn while you sleep. Money is how we transfer time and wealth. Status is your place in social hierarchy. Now, for me, wealth buys you freedom, nothing more than that. And money will solve your problems, but only really your money problems. And wealth isn't so you can buy Ferraris and fur coats. Like he said in that tweet, money is how we transfer wealth through IOUs. But I believe, like Naval, it's much better to seek wealth, not money. Unfortunately, I've started to learn this lesson a little bit later in life. Now, wealth is a factory making products which you don't need to to work at. It might be cash in the bank that's being reinvested. It might be a business that's paying you dividends. It might be a house that you've rented out. But all this stuff is happening while you're asleep. And wealth is a positive sum game. We can create things. If I get a house, if I become wealthy, I'll get a big house. That doesn't mean somebody else can't have a house. If I create a successful business like, let's say, Apple, the iPhone, for example, that that wealth can actually be transferred and enriched and improve the lives of many other people, not just the people that, I guess, invented the iPhone or the so-called wealthy ones that own the business. Wealth can be seen as negative and rich people can be seen as targets or villains. And some people are against the wealth or the wealthy, but we are all beneficiaries of wealth. And like I said, our standard of living has increased massively thanks to wealth. Now, status, on the other hand, is a zero-sum game. A good example of this is politics. It's a status game. There's only one person can be in charge, so therefore there's winners and there's losers. Sport is also a status game. There can only be winners at the expense of losers. And status games are played all the time in society. And I think we've all done that in society. You know, I buy this car, I share this on social media to show people I've increased my status. I feel good, they feel bad because they don't have the same things as me. And what what do they do in return? They go and get a better car, then I feel bad. And then no one ends up having the best car because somebody's always got something better. 
it's this constant cycle. There are no winners. It's a zero-sum game. So why am I telling you this? Well, I think in the past I've fallen foul of status games. And this has 100% affected my route to wealth. If I'd been playing wealth games in the years that I was playing status games, who knows where I would be today? And we know from compounding, the sooner you start, the better. And I wish somebody would have drilled this into me when I was 16 or 17. I think they're probably the times in your life where you do play the most amount of status games, or particularly through high school and then college. It's about having the, the latest trainers or the coolest clothes or whatever, constantly playing status games. So the last few years, upon learning this, I've really tried to remove myself from the status game arena. And I guess my biggest lessons had to come from social media. I found that for me personally, this was the single biggest factor in focusing my mindset towards wants and desires, and therefore status games. So what did I do? About 18 months ago, I've removed myself completely from social media. And this had a huge impact on me, refocusing my mindset from status to wealth. And actually, the impact was much more profound than what I initially thought it would be. I was 100% happier. Once I got over the need to fill the time previously held by social media, my life improved massively. Now, the only downside to this is that business, or when it comes to investing, or whatever, or staying connected, social media is a pretty powerful tool tool for information. And recently, I've had to re-emerge on social media to, to promote the podcast, And I guess, you know, being open, if I could grow the podcast without being on social media, I probably would. But also looking at the positives, the content on YouTube is amazing. The ability to follow smart people on Twitter is incredible. So social media for the modern day investor or somebody who's looking to just improve themselves is actually quite a powerful tool. Now, I'm not saying you should give up entirely on social media like I did. But maybe take breaks. But I will share a recipe which I guess has worked best for me. And I take some learnings here from a guy called Stephen Bartlett, who's um, he's got a very successful podcast called The Diary of a CEO. And he's also going to be one of the new dragons on Dragon's Den when the new series starts later next year or earlier next year, I believe. He's a 29-year-old multimillionaire, so he's done pretty well for himself. So these are my tips. Tip number one, unfollow people who are playing or who who you know are forcing you to play status games. You know who these people are. They might be celebrities. Just unfollow them. If they're friends or family, I appreciate that can be a little bit difficult to unfollow people, but you can mute them. These are the people that can actually, although it might be you know quite nice to see what they're up to, it can actually make you feel negative about your life. Point number two, is follow people or accounts that actually add value to your life. When you open up your feed, that's what you want to see. You don't want to see a sea of toxic positivity. There's a quote that you are the average of the five people you spend time with. And I think that can apply to many things, not just in the physical sense, but the books you read, the podcasts you listen to, the social media accounts you follow. If you're following Jenny from school, who is now living her best life in Dubai 24-7 because she's an influencer and she makes you feel like crap, then replace that with somebody who will add value. Twitter's a good example. It literally gets you close to some of the smartest minds on the planet. 
Go follow Elon Musk. You know, what's he up to? Go follow Jack Dorsey, Michelle Obama, Kathy Wood. If you want to think like the rich, sometimes they're literally there on social media telling you what they are thinking as well. And point three, just get rid of Instagram. <laughs> I don't see the value in Instagram at all. I could be wrong. And I, I, I literally pop on Instagram, promote the podcast, and then I delete the app straight away. Yeah, I've struggled with Instagram. So I find um, I find Twitter great to access the great minds. Um, YouTube's great in terms of some of the, the video content on there. But Instagram, that image-based uh, tool, I think that can be... Um, very much like status games magnified. Point two in my wealth journal this week. Now in episode six, I covered my own personal portfolio and it got me thinking a little bit about where I get my information from or who I follow. So I wanted to share that too. And I guess this is mainly if you're more interested in spotting market trends and potentially picking up your own your own stocks. Now I follow... From a day-to-day sort of news point of view, I generally follow like CNBC. I turn them on first thing in the morning. I I sort of have them on in the background throughout the day. You generally get the day-to-day financial news in in terms of how the markets are moving. A lot of the times, certainly, I guess when it gets to later on in the day, you'll have money managers and fund managers come on and talking about their stock picks and stock recommendations. Again, CNBC is about headlines. They want to tell you when the market's up, when the market's down. Watching CNBC all the time can be a little bit it can sort of wear thin occasionally because it makes you think that you've got to constantly be active. You've got to constantly be buying and selling, you're moving your money around, which we know can lead to, to making mistakes sometimes. So just be mindful of that. But it's great It's great hearing about certain stocks that people are thinking about, different opinions. There's a lot of interviews with CEOs and things like that. So I think it's, um, in terms of news, it's, it's pretty good. It's pretty good. From a news source, from a macro point of view, I tend to look at just Google Business News. I think it's actually quite underrated. But then there's also a few individuals that I like to keep close tabs on. There's a guy called Brian Feroldi, and he has a YouTube channel where he and a chap called Brian Stoffel analyze stocks and put them through their investing checklist to check their, I guess, investment viability. So they're pretty cool. Um, they're, they're reviewing stocks that you know, you've either heard of or you haven't and whether they think they're worthwhile investments. But of course, you've still got to form your own opinion on that. I'm a big fan of a chap called Raul Pal. Now, he's a macro investor. And I think he famously retired like, at like the age of 35 after he used to work for Goldman Sachs. But he's now the founder and CEO of a company called Real Vision, which produces really, really good content. Now, they do a huge amount of stuff for free, but they also have like an annual subscription and um, I'm not, <laughs> I'm not getting paid to promote Real Vision here, but I am seriously considering um, signing up for their annual membership. But they do do, like I said, they do do good free content. They have like a daily briefing. They've got a daily briefing podcast that helps me understand sort of what's happening on their day to day from a market point of view. It's quite in depth. Um, I don't, I don't check in. I don't check in every day. I wouldn't say I'm, you know, I'm not day trading. I'm not. I like to know what's happening in the markets, but it doesn't really influence my immediate investment decisions. And I think if you are sort of beginning to invest, there's no harm in also investing and then just forgetting about it and not being tempted to to to, to move in and out of the markets. 
I've obviously got a bit more of an interest, so I'm keen to understand what's going on. And maybe that's why you're listening to the Wealth Journal. You don't want to invest the time in it. You're happy for someone like me to to spend my days uh, watching CNBC and going on daily briefings, but keen to just pick up sort of what I'm thinking, which is which is fine. One other final person I want I wanted to mention, um, someone who, who I follow is is somebody called Kathy Wood, and she's the chief exec and chief investment officer of a company called ARK Invest, which is an investment fund which focuses on high growth and innovation stocks. Now, she had an incredible successful year in 2020 with her funds. And she's just a really interesting investor whose thesis looks at stocks with, I guess, an exponential growth plan over the next five years plus. So cutting edge technology, she's got her I guess her flagship fund called the Arc Innovation Fund, but there's also a few other ones that they um, that they've got, and they're basically like ETF funds which you can invest in. Now, I don't invest in any of these funds at the moment, but I am keen. I've kept a close eye on Arc Invest funds for a while. I'm just trying to find the right entry point for them. I'm not sure when that when that is, and of course, I've always said you know don't don't try and time the market. But it's something that I've um, I've been keen to invest in Arc. Um, but of course, not financial advice. Do your own research. Come up with your um, your own ideas on that. And then I also tune into a couple of podcasts each week. Well, I say a couple, quite a few. Um, Real Vision, I just mentioned there, their daily briefings. I've already mentioned them. Um, from an investing knowledge point of view, there's a good podcast platform called The Investor's Podcast. They've got a couple of different ones called We Study Billionaires and Millennial Investing. They're quite good. They just sort of delve into topics a little bit deeper. So like, what is an ETF or... Um, you know, dollar cost averaging or whatever it may be, they might just give you a little bit more in-depth knowledge around certain functions. They might go into an episode around, you know, Warren Buffett or, or whatever. So I quite like them ones. Now for future investment ideas, one podcast that I really enjoy listening to is, is the Tim Ferriss podcast. Obviously, he's a hugely successful podcaster, almost like a bit of a podcaster OG, really. Um, got a very successful podcast, but he's been involved in... Uh, investing in startups throughout his career. He's obviously been a successful author. And he tends to have people on the podcast that are really sort of pushing the boundaries in certain sectors. Um, And I always, a lot of his podcasts just really get me thinking about maybe what's on the sort of the next frontier, really. Um, So he's covered a lot of topics around crypto. It was actually through Tim Ferriss that I, I sort of started to, to listen to Naval Ravikant and um, some of the work that he produces. So sometimes one podcast leads to the next one. And um, yeah, that, that was certainly the case with the Tim Ferriss podcast. For crypto, I follow the Coin Bureau. Now, most of their content is on YouTube, although he does have a podcast. And I think recently he's just signed a deal to have a, a brand new podcast. But the Coin Bureau, in my opinion, produced some of the best crypto content out there on the internet. Um, this is is really good. They produce daily videos, which sometimes is a little bit hard to keep on top of. Obviously, YouTube videos coming out daily that are pretty much twenty minutes long. I struggle to keep up, but I think the Coin Bureau does really, really good crypto content and fairly balanced as well at the same time. Although the guy who presents it is fully bought into the into the crypto world. I guess just outside of investing, from an motivational point of view, the Diary of a CEO with Stephen Bartlett is a it's pretty much my favorite podcast. I make sure I tune into that every single week without fail. 
And I would say that Stephen Bartlett has inspired me to, to start my own podcast. So yeah, I can't mention podcast without mentioning his podcast. Point three, portfolio update. Now, last episode, I talked about my own personal portfolio. And if you missed that episode, which was episode six, make sure to check it out. But since then, my portfolio has changed. I've made an investment this week. I've actually invested in a startup company called Mama Made. And they're currently doing a crowdfunding exercise through Cedars, which is a way for the business to event, you know, essentially raise capital to fund their expansion plans. So I think I talked about um, pre-IPO or companies that don't currently float on the stock exchange as part of my portfolio being being a fairly small amount, but something that I was looking at increasing over the next few years. So I am keen to start investing in more early startup companies. The one other one I have in my portfolio currently is Brewdog, which is probably you know a company that you all probably know. Obviously, they manufacture beer. They're a zero um, or a carbon negative company, which was one thing that interested me. But yeah, recently I came across this company called Mama Made. And basically they're a, essentially a, f- a food meal prep company, but for, for babies. They're helping parents navigate weaning and support parents' families with good, convenient food for for their children. For me, this resonated because I've got two children. And for the first child, we was we was all over it with meal preps and nutrition and, and things like that. But when the second one came along and... I, sort of feel a bit bad saying this, but it was, we didn't know what hills. Okay. It completely changed the dynamic. You got two children fighting for your, you know, for your attention. It just became difficult to do everything. And, um, you know, you panic so much for your first child that they're getting the right nutrition, that they're eating the right sort of things. And, you know, you're just uh, super, super cautious. And then for your second child, you see them just sort of crawling around the floor, picking up some unknown substance and normally you'd probably just panic and think, oh, I need to ring the doctors. But with your second child, you just wonder whether they actually need lunch later on or they'll probably be full. Yeah, when I came across this company that does meal prep for children, it, it sort of perks my interest because I, as a, as a parent, I can appreciate how valuable that service would be. But then obviously reading a little bit more about them, they they focus on plant-based food, food that's incredibly healthy, well-made food, of course. They're uh, carbon, they use carbon-neutral delivery. The packaging is 100% recyclable. They have zero food waste. They're currently B Corp pending, so certified B Corporations are businesses that meet the highest standards of verified social and environmental performance. They have public transparency and legal accountability to balance profit and purpose, so they've got their, their heart in the right place. They had a really, really strong community, and that was one thing that sort of also sparked my interest. And that community has been going really, really rapid. It's almost like a, yeah, quite a quite a cult following in many ways. And that sort of, yeah, raised my eyebrow a little bit at the, at the company. And then just delving a little bit deeper into their pitch deck, I noticed that they had very low customer acquisition costs due to their strong word of mouth growth. And they also have a very a very aggressive growth plan, but of course, growth plans are you know are just that they're plans. But what I do like about this company, apart from the concept, is is the founders. And when I invest in company, I like the founders to have skin in the game. And I know these 
the founders of this company do. They're, I believe, the husband and wife. Their um, average order value has been increasing in the last sort of 12 months. Their growth has been amazing, and they have backing from some other big hitters as well. So um, some of these big hitters include the founders of Made.com, which has been a pretty successful business. So I was keen to I was keen to get involved. Now I'm not I'm not I'm not by any stretch of the imagination suggesting you should get involved too. But I think the Wealth Journal and what this podcast is about it's about me sharing my journey. So at the moment I've made an investment and I'm sharing that with with the listeners of this podcast. If you're interested, head over to cedars.com. That's S E E D R S dot com. The company's called Mama Made. Check out check out the pitch deck. Have a look at the company. Make up your own mind uh, and whether you think it's a viable investment. And I think for me, investing in startup companies, it's definitely it's definitely more of a gamble. Um, you've got to be mindful of that. And it's very much a long term whole strategy. And once you've once you've bought into a startup, you can't you know them shares are pretty much illiquid. You can't just you can't then sell them. I think they tend to have secondary marketplaces in case, you know, later on, on down the line that you want to sell them, but that's not always the case. And sometimes you only have the opportunity maybe once a year to, to sell your shares in startup companies or just wait until the company eventually floats on the stock market if that's what the founders desire, decide to do. So just be mindful of that. Um, but I, I want to try and grow my wealth and... Obviously, there's the there's the route of investing in into index funds, sort of on a monthly basis, dollar cost averaging or pound cost averaging into them. But then also, I like the idea of investing in startup organisations. I think where there's higher risk, sometimes that brings higher reward and could help accelerate the path towards towards wealth. But who knows? I'm sure we'll find out. We'll find out in a few years' time. And yeah, it's something that I've wanted to do. I want to I want to continue to invest in in startups. I'd like to support founders with their dreams. I'd love to own my own company. So if I can support founders, pursue their dreams, then that's great. And at the moment, my, I guess my approach to investing in startups is a, is, is more around, does that startup appeal to me? Is it something that I'm interested in? Are the values of the, of the company or the startup aligned to my own values? And for both Brewdog and for Mama Made, the fact that, these companies are focusing on the environment, focusing on on the planet, on building products in the right way. That's something that I um, that I'm certainly interested in as well. So, at the moment, that's my that's my strategy. Um, but there's loads. Of, obviously, there's loads of startups that want to take your money. So, you know, just be mindful of that, but and, and just pick the ones that that you're comfortable in. And that's it that's all the points in my wealth journal this week so thank you for listening um i want to give a special thanks to those of you that have rated the podcast and also those that have taken the extra time to leave a review massively appreciated and will just help the podcast get found it'll help the podcast grow and i've got a couple of the reviews here that um, i'm just going to read out if you don't mind so this one a great listen so far some really interesting topics structured in a very understandable way one of those podcasts that has you scrambling around for a pen and paper so you don't forget bits. <laughs> I love that. I love that. This one, the episodes are a great listen for anyone, but should be mandatory for people in their 20s and early 30s with their working lives ahead of them. 
love that too especially if i knew some of this stuff in my early 20s i reckon it made a massive difference what a guy what a guy i've worked with jay for many years and i feel richer for knowing him (laughs) oh honestly i love the positivity a very relatable and witty guy i'll take that Uh, sharing very useful and solid wealth observations and truths changed my entire view on what to do about my personal wealth. Keep the podcast coming. And then I've also had quite a few messages. As I've mentioned, a few people have reached out, which is amazing. So keep that coming. I just finished episode six of the pod. I have to admit, when I first started, I was just interested in hearing what you're up to. And I didn't really plan on keeping up with it. Not sure if that's a compliment. But it's been amazing. A real revelation. And I've started to review my own financial wellness. Started out a bit dodgy at first, but um, yeah, so it's been great. It's been great. Honestly, it's been great to get these messages. I'm just um, I'm just sort of massaging my ego here a little bit. Playing, I'm playing status games. But honestly, no, it's been 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 great to get messages of support and also um, having messages throughout the week. People telling me that they've started their investment journey is really what this podcast is about. I assume most people have stopped listening at this point, and if you have, I don't blame you. But what I will do before I sign off is remind you that I'll leave all the links to my sources in the show notes uh, of this episode, so you can check them out for yourself. But anyway, that's it. So take care, and I'll speak to you again next week. Goodbye. (laughs) 